0: There has been an ongoing trend for a number of years that seeks to curtail your right of free speech. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Free speech. That's something that I took for granted for a good portion of my life. I assumed that I had it. I've been raised here in the United States way back when, graduated high school about 50 years ago. And the idea that people would begin to censor the things that you write, the things that you say, the things that you produce. Now, to a degree, I can understand some limitations on certain types of pornography, but political speech and opinions are things I never thought in my lifetime would become suspect to government or other entities. Now, welcome to the weekend edition of Truth to ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman I also recognize that many of you only get a chance to hear this program on the weekend, and I'm going to talk to you also about hearing it throughout the week if you so desire. But I want to start today's program on this concept of free speech and and some of the changes that are happening in technology. And I think this would be a great help for you. I saw this story that was, you know, not a big thing to most people, nobody really paid much attention yet, but I can see a few, shall we say, warning signs for other things down the road. Technology tends to to morph over time. Now, here in the United States, the US Copyright Office is floating the idea of mandating what's called a content upload filter on the internet. So, what is what is a content upload filter? And why would the copyright office be so concerned? And what would be the implications of having these kind of filters on the internet? Well, one of the issues is, shall we say, the pirating of music. I I can understand that. An artist writes something, records something, and people steal it, in essence, and put it up on the internet as their own. And and so, to a degree, I, I understand that side of it, but I also see the danger of it moving forward. Now, the U.S. Copyright Office is inviting comments on whether to introduce a requirement applying to online services that would be under obligation to filter all communications by users accused of a copyright infringement. Now, this is something similar that's already happening in other parts of the world, like like in the EU, for example. But it could have really massive implications for the future of how you find and consume content on the internet. Now, if this rule is somehow approved by the U.S. Copyright Office, it would find its way into a policy known as stay down. Let me say that again, stay down. It's designed to to force a, a service that has received a takedown notice on a copyright infringement to take additional steps to make sure that content doesn't resurface in the future. The communication filter would come into play as a way of ensuring this would encompass all communications of the accused infringer. Now, you may not follow all that, but let me see if I can explain it. One of, the, one of the problems, and I do understand why they're thinking in these terms, but I see some real issues going down the road. For example, and I've run into this myself with, with my radio programs over the past six years. There may be some piece of music contained in, in the program that somebody may say putting it online in a podcast would be a copyright infringement. One of the things I'm very careful about is the production music that I use on this program has no royalties or copyright infringement issues. In other words, this music is cleared for virtually every kind of platform out there. So when I use some background music to come in and out of segments, I don't have to worry anymore about a copyright infringement on a piece of music. And then with radio stations, we have BMI, ASCAP, all these licensing companies, radio stations have to pay a fee to play music, to pay the artist. So I can understand the artist not wanting their music to be used by a third party and they get nothing for it. The workman is worth his wage, I get it. And so, On the surface, I have no particular problem when somebody is willfully violating copyright law. I I have no particular problem. But there is going to be a problem in the days and months and years ahead if something like this should be adopted as something we need to use in the United States and around the world. See, in order to implement such a strategy, just for example, You take a company like Google, a real giant, or Facebook, they pay like $100 million a year for those kind of filters, just for YouTube alone. And and a small startup internet company, or some new player to compete against a Twitter or Facebook, they're not that well funded, and it's gonna be extremely difficult for them to deploy such measures. And so what it really does in the long run, it limits the number of services and places you can go and load content. But you're saying, Bob, that's only like for music infringement or copyright infringement. Of course, that's what it would start as. All these things start with a good idea. The problem with the filtering technology is it can be used for other things over time. So let's say, for example, you have a a new company. I see a lot of people are moving to a a platform called Getter, G-E-T-T-R, Getter. And they think it's going to be a great alternative to Twitter. Well, they thought Parler would be a great alternative to Twitter last year. And see how that worked out. Parler started with a wonderful idea. They're going to compete with this massive tech giant called Twitter. They're going to get people to sign up and get an account. But Parler made several huge mistakes from the very beginning that took them down. Number one, they were dependent upon Amazon servers to deliver content. In other words, their program lived on Amazon servers and they wanted to use an app primarily an app. You could log into the website, but there's such a huge amount of traffic on cell phones, they needed to have an app. So you could go right to Parler. Well, the folks at Apple and the folks at Google, you have Google Play for the Android phones and you have the iStore or the uh, iTunes store for, for Apple or the Apple Store. They decided they didn't like Parler. So they they took those apps away from their their delivery source, and so people couldn't get the app anymore. Well, there's ways you could, but unless you're tech savvy, it was kind of complicated to install. And then Amazon decided they didn't like the content being on their server, so they gave them 48 hours to, to get off their server, or they'll be shut down. The end result was that Parler, virtually for all practical purposes, has just been demolished getter everybody says bobby get it got you got to get on getter and i'm thinking why because getter is also by the way chinese funded if you didn't know it is on amazon servers and the app is in the google play store and the itunes or apple store so anytime you run afoul of big tech they're going to have the ability of taking that content or that entire platform down now there are a few there are a few platforms out there that are not dependent upon big tech but i also see they're going to have some issues down the road for example gab g a b is a growing uh, company and they maintain their own servers their own infrastructure they're not dependent upon google they're not dependent upon Uh, The Google Play Store, they're not dependent upon outside servers from Amazon or some other big tech company that can pull the plug anytime they don't like the content. But I wonder what the implication is going to be with the U.S. Copyright Office floating this idea of having a a content upload filter to, to make sure that there's nothing in that content that is infringing a copyright. Well what other kind of content could they filter? I'm certain with algorithms and the ability now to analyze audio that in a very quick amount of time something you post even at a place like Gab may be found to contain a copyright infringement. And then Gab is going to be notified they've got to do something about it. They got to take it down, take you know, deplatform the individual See, the big danger I'm seeing in the short run is that if something like this is implemented strictly on copyright violations, and believe me, there are a lot of them. Over the years, even even Facebook and others and YouTube have taken down my radio program because they will claim there's a piece of music that might be in violation, so they, they suppress the audio. You can't hear it. All of a sudden you hear the beginning of the program and the audio disappears. That's happened to me a number of times over the past six years. Lately, and I know that automatically for a long time, my program was being pushed out to YouTube. And I did that for years and never thought much about it. And copyright violations on YouTube were rare. But see, YouTube is big enough. They can afford these hundreds of millions of dollars. They can do more than filtering. They can do more than just filtering a, a copyright violation. I've had programs that talked about topics like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, alternative strategies and and ways of dealing with, with COVID-19. Well, YouTube didn't like those and they took them down. They just disappeared. They were just removed quietly. I never even knew till somebody said, you know, your program used to be every day on YouTube and now half of your programs have disappeared. That's one of the dangers of the technology. And the other thing is only the large companies are gonna be able to afford this. What's gonna to happen to a small time user who can't afford all this, this money to put in these required filters? How long before they're caught in this dragnet of all these shortcomings of having these filters and some company like an upstart like GAB or others find themselves running afoul of this particular requirement? Now, when it comes to the tech giants that can afford these kind of filters, they're already using various filters, like I just said, for several years. They've been able to identify any potential even if they're not real, copyright violation, but they're also able to, to analyze content. Just because you put something on the internet doesn't mean that those that own the platform don't know what you did. These these computer algorithms, these filters can go through your content and, and say, this is verboten You can't say this. You can't do that. You can't do the other. In other words, they are going to tell you what you're allowed to say, what you're allowed to share, what you're allowed to even think. And by having something like this copyright infringement system in place, it's going to diminish and make it more difficult for anybody to compete with YouTube, with Twitter, with Facebook, or Meta, or any other thing coming down the pike. Because see, These big companies can afford it. The small ones simply can't. And many, I believe, in time would be facing incredible amounts of fines and and court cases and all kinds of other issues. There's um, another reason not to introduce a lot of filters on the Internet. It's kind of like a wage theft made possible thanks to these systems. See, There's a guy by the name of uh, Dr. Rowe. And he says he cites the content ID provision which lets those claiming a copyright also claim ad money generated by videos they accuse of violations. Now, on a, on a platform as big as YouTube, this comes into allegedly large amounts of money being stolen from classical music performers to to big giant record labels like Sony and others. They'll claim that Well, there's a violation, we're not getting paid for this music, so you've gotta pay us. The gargantuan, massive size that some of these tech tyrants have grown to, they're able to administer the filters, which will give them a virtualistic monopoly. They'll have a monopoly status, which means they don't have to bother getting better because there's nowhere else to go and they can always air, quote, on the side of caution and delete a lot of videos that find their way up to YouTube or audio programs like, like mine, Truth to Ponder. By the way, as a quick side note, this program is distributed every day as a podcast. Now, honestly, I, I, I send it out, I, I have to upload to do different, to two different sites. And then they redistribute the program to multiple other sites. Now, those other multiple sites, I have little or no control. In other words, they can take it down if they don't like it. Um, They can make it quiet or silent if they don't like it. That's one of the problems that I I do run into. And also, they can put an advertisement at the beginning of my podcast, of which I get nothing for that. It's for the privilege of being on iHeartRadio podcast or some other platform that's out there, Spotify, to name just a few. What's gonna happen when you have these kind of accusations and, and these kind of filters? It's going to limit your outlets. Now, I remember years ago when I was a young kid how many TV stations could you pick up if you live in the United States back in the 1960s? Depending where you lived, if you live near New York City, you might get seven or eight or more. If you lived near Greenville, South Carolina, you were lucky to get three. And in some places, you're lucky to get two. But over the years with cable TV and then satellite television and now streaming, we were given more choices. Not that I think they're much better, but I'm saying There were now hundreds of channels to choose from. Well, in essence, what some of these regulations could do to the Internet, where there are hundreds of Internet radio stations, there are hundreds of podcasting sites, there are hundreds of programs, if not thousands of programs, like mine competing every day for listeners. If somebody in the giant tech platforms decides they don't like my content, guess what? They're going to take it down. It's going to be gone. And where am I going to put it? If I try to self-host it somewhere else, well, then I can't afford to go out and buy massive servers and, and a a big pipeline to the internet to, to distribute video in a program. I'm still going to have to use a third party. And eventually, even the smaller third parties could be caught up in this web. Where somebody says, "You know, you got a podcaster that's self-hosting on your site that has copyright violations. Take it down. Just take it down." And I fear that's what's going to be happening in the not too distant future. We're on our way there now. Technology grows at this incredible rate. Now, every two or three years, nothing wrong with that. It's it's very expected. Look how long it took for us to get electricity. Look how long it took to get a light bulb. Then radio, telegraph, and all those early communication systems, the telephone. And in about 100 years' time, the massive explosion of technology, because new technology builds to the next technology that includes other technology, and the more tools you have on the table, so to speak, to work with, the faster you can, can grow, the faster you can improve. I think of 19, maybe 1963, 64. My father bought a transistor radio. You could fit it in your, your, your shirt pocket. And it was the most amazing thing I think I'd ever seen at that point in my life, this little tiny radio. It, it used a nine volt battery and you could hear radio stations on it and carry it in your pocket. No longer were you confined to your home or a car or some big portable radio, which were few and far between back in those days. Now you had a pocket-sized radio. And over time, electronic components were getting smaller and smaller, which is understandable. It, it's There's nothing sinister about it. It's just the way science and technology work. As people try to compete in the marketplace, with the new Better mouse trap, I can remember some of the old stereo receivers that I had in the 70s. And they're still great units, but they were very expensive when you consider what I paid for them then versus what today's dollars would make them. And I can buy things that are just about as good for a fraction of the cost that do far more things. Look at how television has changed over the decades from a little tiny 10 inch or less black and white round screen to these massive big screens in people's homes like a home theater. We, we just accept that technology moves forward. One of the things though about that, that can be a problem with this technology. As we adapt to new technology and we lose sight of some of the older legacy technology we begin to put all of our eggs into one basket. And this is what I want to close this segment out with, this little part of this segment. I want you to pay attention very, very carefully. Over the past 20 years, it was very gradual in the beginning, but it's becoming more and more and more commonplace today. I'm going to give you a little inside information here. Many international broadcasters on shortwave that are operated by by governments, many of them are shutting down a lot of their long wave and shortwave and medium wave broadcasting. And they're going, they're they're keeping some of their digital and FM going, but they're trying to get everybody to move their consumption of content to the internet. To the internet. Not the airwaves. They want you on the internet. A lot of radio stations now are appearing on the internet. A lot of new cars have got what are called connected dashboards to connect you to an internet radio station. With all the data that now can be transferred by the cell phone companies, you can literally make a long trip as long as you're staying by you know civilized population. Maybe not so much in the desert, but... You can listen to an internet radio station in your car. A lot of AM radio stations in the United States are finding it very hard to survive and compete in the digital and world. And of course, FM had heard it many years ago. And a lot of AM radio stations are simply turning in their licenses and shutting off their transmitters and selling their land. Every week, every week, Several radio stations in the United States call it quits and mail back their license, especially in smaller markets where the big box stores like the WalMarts and the uh, big drugstore chains, big grocery store chains, have all come in and put the local businesses out of business that used to support local radio. You see, Amazon and Walmart and Home Depot and Lowe's—they don't buy local radio advertising but they have taken away those that would. And that's put a financial strain on radio stations in the United States, and I, I don't see, I really don't see how it's gonna get any better anytime soon, I really don't. It is going to be a, a continuing problem that's only gonna get worse. Now, if you're a customer of Xfinity, also known as Comcast, I, you may have noticed something that's beginning to happen quietly. If you are a Comcast user, how many of you have been offered this free little set-top box to stream certain content and your favorite programs, and they want you to do it for free? There's a method to their madness, and, and some of it is very legitimate, and some of it is going to make a change in how you get content. Number one, old technology for, for television takes a lot of bandwidth in that cable. And if they can get that cable to be a bigger pipeline for online, they can begin to get rid of their old systems and move to an online streaming-only system, which gets them out of some of the old cable regulations. They'll become a content distributor like, like Hulu, or Roku or others, but with a few more local benefits coming into your home, like faster internet coming along with it. In other words, you can get your television and your internet, but it's all gonna be in a streaming format. And I see that day coming sooner than later, as companies one by one are adapting that. Now I have no particular problem with with platforms like Roku. You can actually hear this radio program on Roku on your TV set, every day. It is loaded there, doesn't cost me anything, but it is there. The problem is, I don't wanna make that my only distribution point. I don't want this program to be limited to a handful of podcast sites that could pull the plug on me tomorrow morning. One of my podcast sites is designed for Christian Ministries. The other one I upload to is owned by Spotify, they don't charge me now. The Christian group does. I do pay uh, that organization, uh, PodPoint, uh, so I can have a reliable internet platform. In case, in case the folks at Spotify decide they don't like my content anymore and deplatform me, at least I'm still out there. And I'm already having to start thinking about how am I going to plan for the future when the choices become limited and. Much of our communications is pushed to the internet. What is your backup plan? With a lot of local radio stations needing revenue, I'm sure there may be outlets there, but I can't afford to to buy airtime on, on 30, 40, 50, or 100 or or so small radio stations in small towns. I, it's, it's simply not feasible for a ministry as small as this one to do that. I need to cover a lot of real estate to be quite blunt and I have to do it efficiently. That's why I've continued and I still am a firm believer in using international shortwave, international shortwave radio. I know that only a very small percentage of the United States population even owns a viable and usable shortwave radio. And I know only a small percent of the American people have ever even heard of what shortwave radio actually is. Our parents and grandparents, if you're my age, knew what it was because their early radios that they had in their homes had the medium band and also the shortwave bands, and in Europe and other places, even the longwave bands. But over time, shortwave disappeared off the radios as FM came along. Longwave is primarily used for in Europe, and, and even that is going offline at a rapid pace, the amount of money it costs to operate one is just, just alarming. So the options get limited. And those that were born, let's say, after 1990 or after the year 2000, they are so computer and internet-centric that they don't even understand free over-the-air television. They, they still don't comprehend radio and they're getting most of their content off a cell phone. Now let me add one more thought here before we take a break and I'm gonna really pick up on this on the other side as we talk about the future of how we're gonna stay connected in a world where they're trying to control our connections. We've seen in the last two years how the tech tyrants that used to allow you to have an opinion about the coronavirus, now they set the opinion, you abide by it or you, get your content suppressed, or you get a suspension, or you get deplatformed. When the world is putting all their eggs into the internet basket, and of course, I'm gonna keep using it as long as I can, but I have to have a plan B. What is your plan B? Preparing this program every day takes a pretty good amount of time. Some days are not easy, some days it is. And I'm glad and I'm thankful for the opportunity that I have to, for you to be able to hear this program, Truth to Ponder. Sometimes when I produce a program, I wonder if it's any good. Will anybody care or listen? And some programs I think are great, I never hear any response, and then ones like this, where I just feel like I'm inadequate today. You're, you, you come through and you tell me that it made sense to you. And I hope that it does. I really want to spend the next segment getting into the weeds, so to speak, to understand how you are being manipulated, how the filtering of information down to a handful of sources will cause mass formation. We've talked about it on the program, a lot of people are now hearing that term for the first time. We talked about it months ago, this kind of propaganda where the people are now set in their ways. They, they, they are convinced they know what is right and they just parrot what they're told. That's why we do this program every day. I'm very careful about the information I share. If I don't feel comfortable with a story, that it may not be fully true, or it may have been sensationalized, I I tend just to leave it alone until I know that I'm sharing with you true content. And that's what I promise and pledge to do as long as God enables me to have this platform. Right now, We really need to look at our shortwave and ways to increase it. I'm working on a project with shortwave airtime. It's reasonable, but it's still expensive. I can't afford it personally. If you can help pay that bill, I'd appreciate it. You can make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. And mail it to Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North. That's 5753 five, Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's number 3248. We are in Crestview, Crestview, Florida, 32536. That's 32536. And by the way, our website address is truth2ponder.com. truth2ponder.com. You can find out more about the program and even ways in which you can support it from the website. This is Truth to Ponder with
1: Bob Beerman. Visions all around you. Shalom Alechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now people say, oh, if only I saw a vision, I believe, or I wish I saw visions like Isaiah saw or Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Moses, the visions they would see, or if I just heard the voice of God. And well, I have news for you. You are seeing visions. All the time. They're filled with color. You see, everything you see is a vision. It's part of creation. You see, the point is creation is a miracle. It's supernatural. It shouldn't exist, but it does. It it came from nothing. So everything that exists, exists by the mouth of God. The flowers, the grass, the building, the faces, your room, all of it comes from the creation of God. It's a miracle. It's supernatural. And you're hearing voices all the time, supernatural. You're hearing music. You're hearing the singing of birds or the wind or people talking to you. That shouldn't exist. That came from nothing, from God. You see, it's supernatural. The voice of God, he's speaking to you all the time from the Bible, from those who know him and know his voice. You see, there's a book in the Bible, the book of Esther. And you read Esther and you see no mention of God. And yet the fact is no other book shows The incredible moving of God, his hand in every single event, every action, every thought. You see, in this life, sometimes you wonder, where are you, God? Sometimes this life seems like the book of Esther. But you know what? He's all around you. His love is written on every cloud. His faithfulness is on every sunrise. Rejoice, my friend. God is there. He's with you and all around you and as near to you as your next breath. Want more? Well, ask for the book of the unmentioned God. Now... What if I offered you a million dollars? Well, I want to offer you something better than a million dollars, something that'll help give you a strong and victorious life, a free subscription to Sapphire's vitamins for your spirit, and the incredible mystery of the temple doors all free. You'll love it. How do you get it? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. So just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, the harvest is great laborers are few. I invite you to join me in being a fellow laborer and co-minister in the end-time harvest. You don't need a plow, just an open heart and a pen. You, my friend, can reach the unreached peoples of the world. We can touch the world for the gospel. It's incredible. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll Blanket the earth through shortwave radio. It's incredible with the gospel. That's Y E S H U A 1. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. Just write to the nice Jewish boy, box 1111, Lodi, L O D I, New Jersey, 07644. That's 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, rejoice, my friend. God is with you in Messiah Ben Elohim, the Son of God.
0: This is is Truth To Ponder with Bob Beerman. When I was a much younger person, I never really kept a diary of of the things that I did or make notes of special occasions in my life. We just, back then, we just kind of went through life as most people did in high school 50 years ago. And I'm realizing that coming up pretty soon, I'm gonna be celebrating an anniversary. And I, I don't know exactly what day it is. Um, I think it comes up either sometime in the end of March, maybe early April. I'm not 100% sure. But it's the 50th anniversary of my first paying job at a radio station. I started my career in a small little radio station in upstate New York in the village of Newark, not to be confused with New Jersey. This is a small town about 13 miles south of Lake Ontario, not far from Rochester, kind of between Rochester and Syracuse, closer to Rochester, and just north of the Finger Lakes in the western part of New York State. And there I I began a career in radio, and I didn't know if I'd be any good. I didn't know if I'd be able to stay with it, but I wanted to. The door opened, and I look back now over the years, and the kind of work that I just kind of, how do I put it? I was gently nudged in this direction and that, and that direction. I worked at this radio station, then a, then a bigger radio station. Then I got a job that was a bigger job and a smaller station. And I didn't realize at the time, 50 years ago, this was all a part of learning a business, you don't come out of a tech school knowing everything. You don't come out of high school knowing everything or college or anything else. Much of what you learn is by doing and experience. And I've been in the radio business now, like I say, with a paycheck almost 50 years. And at some time, like I say, I'll kind of choose an uh, an arbitrary date. I'll just call it first of April. Well, it will be 50 years and that's not that far from now. And I also have to ask myself, where did 50 years go? But in those 50 years, I had almost a decade of being completely only on the radio. I was your your morning man radio announcer or afternoon drive radio announcer, or I read newscast. That's what I did, and I liked it. I also figured out when I got to the bigger markets, it was a lot of competition. And so the idea of being a a big-time radio announcer, suddenly the, the luster came off when reality set in. When you have a family and you've you got a house payment and you got a car payment, it's not easy if you have a job that could be unstable. And being a radio announcer is not one of the most stable jobs out there. Believe me on that one. So I gravitated toward the engineering side because I'd always loved electronics and I'm still in the radio business. I I still like that aspect. Never would have I believed when I made that transition just before 1980 that all the things that I've been learning in those first eight years and then even more in my next engineering job and then working for a Bible college for 14 years, I never would have, guessed where it would lead to in time. And I've learned a lot over the years. I don't consider myself a super expert, but I have a pretty good memory of how radio was and how radio is today and and how we have changed our content receiving habits. I can remember back in the 1980s, Christian radio on FM was a big thing. I worked for a Bible college that had an FM radio station, and we acquired more radio stations over time and even developed a satellite network. Those glory days for those kind of stations, in many cases, are not what they used to be. Things change. And now we have a generation, as I was mentioning on the other side of the break, that is moving all their content what they get, what they attach themselves to, to their smartphone. They watch videos, they listen to music, they, they send messages to each other. They communicate and receive content, news and information from a single little box they can carry in their pocket or their purse. It's different than when I came along and we had portable radios, television sets and radios in cars. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have, you know, 255 TV channels. We just had our local AM radio station in most cases, a few TV stations, and a newspaper. The world has changed. News outlets are moving more online because people are not buying physical newspapers at the rate they once did. Many newspapers have folded and gone bankrupt over the years because they couldn't keep pace with the changing landscape. And I have to recognize that I need to use all this technology whenever possible to get the message out. But one of the problems I'm gonna be running into, and I I can see it already. I mean, I, I know it's coming, I just don't know when. My days on the internet are numbered to a degree. A lot of the things that I'd like to say and do will be filtered by many platforms. That's what I talked about in the first half. These filters that'll deal with copyright infringements can also deal with things that Facebook and Twitter call misinformation. They have an established narrative. Whether it's true or not, you must abide by the narrative or they consider you an outcast. You must believe the vaccines stop you from getting the coronavirus. You must believe that you need boosters because the vaccines can't keep up with the mutations. And these boosters may be two, three, or four a year. We don't know for how many years that's going to go on. But you must believe the narrative that the only way to get rid of this pandemic is wearing a face diaper and taking a vaccine. Anything else, even if they work, you can't talk about. If something like the coronavirus can be manipulated and your speech on that particular topic completely controlled, what's to stop them on other political content or other even legitimate and factual news stories? There's nothing. There's nothing to stop them. Right now, the way the law is written, they get the best of both worlds. If you're a Google, if you're a YouTube, if you're a Twitter, if you're a Facebook or anything else or meta, which is what Facebook now, Facebook is a meta company. I want to mention what that's all about in a minute. They want you tied to your your device and they want that device to control the flow of information and entertainment and conversation. Years ago in radio, years ago on radio we we could have varying voices competing for the marketplace but now i'm i'm watching the the walls coming in and it getting a little bit tighter to truly express yourself and share information from a christian perspective sharing the gospel is also becoming problematic in many nations across the world some of what the bible teaches the world hates and the world hates it so much they call you evil for saying the truth you can't say that men are men and women are women if a man wants to become a woman you can't you can't challenge that you can't say otherwise if a If a male swimmer in college decides he wants to be a woman and compete in women's sports, you dare not defy that, or you lose your job, or or you're ridiculed, or you're deplatformed. Many of you heard that story out of Pennsylvania. There's some people that have quit officiating because they think it's just, it's ridiculous to have some guy pretending he's a woman breaking all women's records. Well, we're told this is normal. This is our new normal and get with the program. Gender is fluid. The world is racist. Everything has got a racial component today, which it shouldn't have. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is tantamount to hate speech. Because you can't talk about sin. There's only a couple of sins, being conservative not believing in gender fluidity or any of the other stuff that's coming down the pipe. You can't express the traditional view of marriage without being labeled a bigot or a homophobe or worse. And that's the world in which we're coming into. And so as these technologies that can be used to suppress copyright information or infringement, They can use the same technology because, you know, Facebook, Twitter, they're all big enough. And how long will Getter last? Like I say, a lot of people said, are you going to get on Getter? I don't think I will. I'm not sure. You know, I, I have a hard enough time keeping up with what little social media I've got. I don't need three or four other sites to deal with. I try to keep up with GAB. But time has been an issue when you do a program like this and the other things that I'm I'm needing to be doing I don't have a whole lot of leisure time to spend online in social media I do a lot of observation there and I might I might even get into a conversation there but I'm beginning to realize that the world is is becoming extremely divided in such a way that you either Go along with the established narrative or you must be silenced, suppressed, minimized, ridiculed, deplatformed, fired from your job because you're not touting, quote, the official line. This is pretty much what the Soviet Union was. China is North Korea, Germany in the 1930s, all over again where the information was controlled. Let me just give you a quick example. I thought about this the other day. was in a conversation with somebody I hadn't talked to in years on the telephone. And I said, you know, you look at Germany in the Second World War. Let's talk like from D-Day going into May of 1945. D-Day in 44 in June and then 1945. The German propaganda machine kept telling the people, we are winning. We are winning. Just hang in there. The glorious Third Reich is going to win. As the troops from Russia coming from the east and the allies coming from the west were closing in on Berlin. They still were going to win. We have a super weapon. We have a this. We have a that. It's going to happen. Just Hang in there. Many people knew the truth. They had seen the battlefield. They had seen the decimation of the German troops. As the Russians and the Americans and the British and others were closing in. But you dared not speak the truth in Nazi Germany. The truth could put you into a concentration camp. The truth could give you all kinds of problems. You had to believe the lie to survive. Not a whole lot different from today in the field of the coronavirus. You either believe the established narrative that only this and this will work, social distance, shut down churches and schools, isolate people, Countries like Australia with their concentration camps, that's what I call them, their COVID containment. People like Macron in France making claims like, you know, you people either do as I say or you can't do this, this, and this. I'm going to make your life miserable. You must comply. Even as the evidence stacks up against how good these vaccines really are, and how they don't really stop the spread. People still get infected with the virus. People still die. The best claim to fame they really have is maybe for a short window. And that window seems to get smaller every month. Your symptoms might be reduced. But we're all told to take the experiment. Read a story just this morning a, a federal judge hearing a case regarding those, I think it was in the Navy in this case, I may be wrong, talking about the vaccines. And and I see people all the time saying, I got the Pfizer vaccine because it's FDA approved. Well, it it, it isn't. The judge said, can you give me the FDA approved vial? Well, we can't. We don't have one. Can you get one? We don't think so. So you're saying you want a mandate under the law, the only mandate to get a vaccine if you're in the military is for an FDA-approved vaccine, not an experimental one. That you have to give consent. But you have the bankrupt Biden administration believing the one size fits all. And when you ask anybody the questions, what are the long-term effects on health? How many people have really died from the vaccine or had other serious permanent or or long-term health issues? They don't want to talk about that, though the numbers are rising every day. Now, here's what I think is the good news. And I want to, I want to, I always like to end with some good news, and this will take a few minutes. In my phone conversation with a good friend, a very devout, devoted Christian. He has done missionary work over the years. He's kind of, as he said, I live like a pauper, but I live for my Lord, and he's always met my need. I really, really believe one thing, and he, he, he's thoroughly agreed. He's been feeling the same thing for months. That the year of 2022, there's going to be a window a window when truth becomes paramount. Those that already know will have what they already know completely confirmed without the shadow of a doubt. Many that were on the fence that just didn't know and assume what they were being told is correct are going to have their eyes opened. And many, and many as the Bible teaches in 2 Thessalonians, will choose to continue to believe the lie. And for a brief window, for a brief window, those that are buying into the lie will be in the minority. And what are we as Christians going to do during this window of opportunity? I think it's going to be so overwhelming, even the the tech tyrants like Twitter and Facebook, or fascist book as I call it, and others are going to have a hard time youtube they're going to have a hard time you know suppressing it all the word is going to get out god will find a way to get his truth known to his people and those that are willing to open their eyes listen and receive part of what i'm doing right now is preparing for that window we, we saw what happened in 2020 and 2021 when churches were shut down and believers could not gather because the government says you can't. We've seen how pastors are arrested if they dare obey God. And when someone says, well, you know, the Bible says obey civil authorities, true it does, but St. Peter was very explicit in the book of Acts. When man's law is in contradiction to God's law, you always obey God's law and ignore and defy man's illegal law. They were told to be silent. They were told not to preach, not to share the gospel. And Peter said, no, I cannot abide by that civil law that goes in contradiction to God's law, even if it costs me my life. How many churches just complied? Yes, yes, government, thank you for saving my church, people, from dying of COVID. Too bad we can't pray together, have communion together, worship together, and study God's word together anymore. We're going to trust Dr. Fauci as our new God and new religion. Yesterday's program was called The Cult of COVID, and it is almost a religious cult, It has a belief system. It has its ordinances or sacraments, if you want to call it, of of vaccinations and social distance and mask wearing. But as any cult is, it's built on a lie. Many will choose to believe the lie forever and ever and ever and they will be deluded and be given over to their own delusion to believe the lie and they'll never see the truth again one more listener i talked to a couple of weeks ago in an email conversation i've had several people indicate that they are new to shortwave you know some of these people are in their 40s 50s and even 60s they never heard of it growing up I knew knew very little about it. I knew of it because I was, you know, kind of a radio hobbyist, but I never really understood the scope and magnitude of what international shortwave broadcasting can actually be. Until the mid-1980s, when I worked for a transmitter manufacturer and started building equipment, some very high-powered, some medium-powered to go to other places in the world. And realize there's a lot of people out there. There are billions of those radios out there in other parts of the world. We just don't have as many here in the United States anymore. While you can, you need to find one. I'm serious. Because it may become more difficult to get information through internet means. And while there are domestic AM FM radio stations that might be usable, for me to put my program on, let's say, 500 radio stations or 1,000 radio stations, I can't afford to do it. There wouldn't be the mega thousands per month to, to have such an operation as much as I'd love to. And what compromises what I have to make on the program to have advertising support to do such a venture? And at my age, do I really want to do that anymore? I like the flexibility of knowing that I'm contained to a certain amount of time per program. That's about all the containment I want. I don't want to be relying on a lot of a lot of advertising sponsors and, and other things. We take a break for the convenience of one of the radio stations. Doesn't benefit me. But that was part of my my negotiation to be on Shortwave and to make the price a little bit more affordable. I believe shortwave is gonna become a more powerful voice. I believe God is gonna clean house on the airwaves and open up some doors and opportunity. And God's people are gonna have these little radios and these people with their cell phones who've never heard about shortwave are gonna ignore it. We'll be right out there in the open professing our faith and sharing truth. That may sound absurd, but really it isn't. I think the year of 2022 is gonna open up a door, not just for my ministry. I mean, my my little ministry, my little quiet voice out there on shortwave and the internet, and just a couple of little radio stations that were kind enough to air the program. This is gonna be an exciting year. And I, I want you to pray to take advantage of every opportunity that God will give you and not to miss it. Keep me in your prayers as I'm working on this project to increase that outreach. A lot is happening. If you can help us buy the airtime and keep this all moving forward, consider making a check payable to Ancient Word Radio, mail it to Truth2Ponder, to 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. And that is in Crestview, Florida. And the zip code there is 32536. Once again, check payable to Ancient Word Radio, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248, Crestview, Florida, 32536. And now until we get together again next week here on Truth to Ponder, my prayer is that God will open your eyes and richly bless you.